0: The Guardian. So, what are you doing now, Jean? I'm going
1: out to get some lunch. What are you going to have? I don't
0: know yet. I've going to have
1: a look see what I've
0: got. <laughs> choices, choices. Choices,
1: choices.
0: This is Jean Smith. She's 86 years old quality, and recovering from a hip operation. No easy task in the flat with steep stairs. A carer pops in in the morning and the evening. But now it's lunchtime. Supported by a walking frame, Jean's making lunch. I mean there's not much space here for the trolley, is there? No. What are you thinking?
1: I've got some uh, scrambled egg.
0: Is it that you like cooking for yourself or could you have someone come in and do that for you? if you I've always
1: cooked for myself.
0: I suppose it's nicer if you cook it yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: She's a lovely soul, cheery, uncomplaining and she's right at the heart of this week's revived debate. How do we pay for the care of elderly folk like Jean Smith? Monday saw the publication of the Dilnot Commission report and yet another attempt to answer the perennial question. Should the state pay or do we leave our pensioners and their families to go it alone? Some say the state should pay everything. Dilnot says costs should be split between families and the taxpayer. But already there are complaints that even that would be too expensive. I'm Hugh Muir and in this week's Guardian Focus podcast we talk to the elderly and those who care for them. And we'll ask, why do our older citizens get such a raw deal?
1: It's no good sitting back and saying, oh well, feeling sorry for yourself, you've got to get on with it.
0: Some people think that the government or councils should do more, uh, should pay for more.
1: It depends. I mean, some people have got quite a bit of money so they can pay for themselves, but some haven't. And that's when I think the government need to step in then.
0: You seem very positive about it, but uh, do do you think forward or are you thinking about how you used to be and the things you used to be able to do? and How how do you come to terms with it?
1: Well, you just have to. You have to think, oh, well, I I mean, your head tells you you can do it, but your body tells you you can't. So you just have to accept these things. that You're not going to be able to do these things.
0: You seem very optimistic and very upbeat. Do you find yourself um, encouraging other people? Because I imagine some people find it harder than, than you seem to.
1: Well, I suppose you do. Some people look at you and say, how do you do it? But then it's you, you, your attitude. You know, different people have got different attitudes to how to do things.
0: Most people who are old have worked you know, for many, many years. Do you feel they get all that they deserve from society, given that they've spent their whole life working and contributing to society?
1: Not always, no, but then I think a lot of it is people, A lot of you don't know where to go and claim these things. This is, I think, a lot of the trouble with people. You don't know who to ask or where to go, and I think a lot of people are missing out on things that they are entitled to.
0: For many elderly people like Jean Smith, the only human contact they have is when carers come to their homes. They're missing out on socialising with others and keeping their brains active by painting and gardening, for example. Some are luckier, including those who come to the Great Croft Resource Centre here in Kings Cross. It's funded by Camden Council and run by Age UK. But the centre could close in March 2012. Camden has said there's no more money. The funds are drying up. Can I ask you what's your name? Uh, Isabella. Isabella. How Can long? I get Bella for short. Bella. Okay, I'll call you Bella. Yeah. How long have you been coming here, Bella?
2: Well, actually I've connected with the Centre since I was 60, and I'm 88 now.
0: So that's a long time. You must have seen a lot of change here. Yes. So why, why do you like coming here?
2: Oh, I think most of all it's a company, and there's always something different to do, you know, to keep my mind going.
0: So how important is the Centre to you?
2: Oh, it's a lifeline, because I, I, I don't have any family left. And I'm on my own. But I had a fall yesterday and I couldn't get up.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, What happened? Did someone come and help you? No,
2: I couldn't get to the phone. (laughs) And I had to pull myself along the carpet until I got to the phone. And then I dialed the number. And they were there. The the carers came. And they they got me up. (laughs) I couldn't get up.
0: It must be very scary when you're on your own and you, do, you fall and
2: then, over. Well, I was, uh, I, I was
3: terrified in case I couldn't get up. Pull the band to your hips and you push forward. Remember this one, good. And bring it back. Good, rest it on the floor if you need to. That's the first one, remember, sit nice and tall because you want to look after your posture.
0: We're so in another room now and there are four ladies here exercising. They've got red be exercise bands good. and they've being shown how to, uh, to strengthen their leg muscles.
3: Sit. Your legs there push forward
4: good get those legs
3: nice and strong good control back again
0: Time with Patrick Down now Patrick I understand you're a man for the activities here darts and dominoes yeah so, um what is it about the center that you like so much
4: what I like about the center is that it keeps people going all the time if it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for the day center I don't know what's going to happen really because my opinion is, if they do close this day centre, a lot of these people have got nowhere to go, because a lot of these people are not able to get out of the flat, uh, their flats or their homes.
0: Do you think generally that we care enough, or that we have enough respect for our older people?
4: I don't. I uh, don't know if you notice when you're walking Long street, especially around Tottenham Court Road or Oxford Street, round there, and you're walking down the street and people just want to push by you. They couldn't care less about you. They know you're, you're walking slow. They know that you've got walking frames, but they couldn't care less.
0: And you worked your whole life in the NHS. Do you feel that you should get more help from the
4: state? I think one should get more help from the state. I think they, the state should do more in what they're doing because, as you know now, they want people now to work longer in life Yes, some people can do it, but other elderly people cannot do it. I'm
0: just going to step outside now. I can see two of the members, Janet and Malcolm. They're playing dominoes.
5: Yay. Oh, you timed that well. So I'll tell you really, I, if it, this place wasn't there, I'd go round the bend. I really would. I get, I'll tell you, I've, I've learnt to do some art. I never knew I could draw. We do uh, beads, necklaces... I never knew I had it all in me, because I've got, I've got to meet so many people. I was just indoors, so I'm just looking at four square walls. But this has brought life to me.
0: Do you, I know you're a happy soul, but do, yeah. you, do you think you get enough help?
5: I think I do. I would like, I'd like to see a, a little bit more help for the elderly myself. I think they should be. I mean, we're all going to get a little bit older. We're all going to get, as you you know,
0: do you think generally we pay enough respect to our old people?
5: No, a lot of a lot of the youngsters could do a little bit more. I think. I think it should be taught in schools nowadays. Hi, Abul. It's Hugh. Hi. Uh, please
0: you come able to
6: in. Talk to me now? Yeah, please okay. come in. Please come in. I
0: see you're busy. Please have a seat. So, Abul Chowdhury, you're the centre manager here. There's a lot going on out there.
6: This is very important. Eighty um, percent people. If they don't come here, they will be socially isolated and uh, on their own. So it, will, it is very important for them to come out and stay within the community, have hot lunch. Some of the people don't have any access for cooking at all because of their frailty, disability. Without the centre, they wouldn't be able to do the shopping, the pension run, all the appointments we do, make with the, all the social contact. As you know, all the adult social care cuts, Camden has a huge amount of cuts from central government. So obviously they they are cutting the services uh, in Camden as well. So we are trying to do an alternative model, alternative plan to survive. And part of that, we applied for funding from Camden Cohesion Fund, 50,000, but unfortunately it's turned down. So we don't know the future yet.
0: That must have been a huge blow to have that application it is a, rejected.
6: Yeah, it is a huge blow. But I'm hopeful, I'm positive to find some way to survive. Of course, it's your job to make that case, but it must be very frustrating. Do you feel
0: that as a society, we care enough about our older people?
6: I think sometimes people who are making the decision, they think this is a easy way to save money because older people, they don't have any voice, they don't fight for their rights the way other, other group of people. They're not a strong pressure group. A lot of this is
0: attitudinal, isn't it? I mean, wh- Where are you from or where are your family from originally?
6: I'm, I'm from Bangladesh.
0: And is there any difference that you see in the way that older people are treated there?
6: Well, in, in, in Bangladesh, this is not a problem at all. Like, who is going to look after the older people when they're old? Because part of the family's responsibility is caring your older person. This is unwritten, unwritten document. Like, if you don't look after your own parents, own grandparents, then you are a bad people in the, in the society. Society will judge you, look at them, how they're treating their you know, grandparents or parents. So it's a moral responsibility. It's not financial. And that, uh, the, but the most important thing is, in this report, is bothering me, there's nothing moral here. It's all about finance, all about money.
0: For many elderly people, having carers come to your home or visiting day centres like Great Croft is not an option. Their illnesses and fragility, meaning they need to be in a residential home. But this isn't cheap. The most eye-catching element of the Dilnot report was the raising of the threshold. This would mean that the amount people will be obliged to spend on their own care would be capped at £35,000. This, he said, would mean an end to people selling their homes to pay for care. The guarantee of a cap might also entice insurance firms into the care market, enabling ordinary people to insulate themselves against the onerous costs. But the reforms would come too late for John and Jean Hall in Western Supermare, who had to sell her parents' property to pay for residential care bills when the elderly couple developed dementia. I spoke to John. He told me the whole experience was deeply distressing.
3: Well, in the first instance, we had to uh, go into their life savings, and then when we run out of that, we had to sell the house.
0: Did they have much by way of uh, life savings?
3: They had 35000 Thirty-five thousand 35, in the, in the uh, building society, which disappeared very quickly, and then we had to put the house up for sale.
0: That home you had to sell, had that been their home for a long time? and Had it been well, your home? For 26 years. For 26 years. So what was that like? having to sell that that must have been emotionally quite traumatic
3: well it was yeah it, it hit, hit my wife very very hard you know because this was what her parents had moved down to from manchester this was their retirement home
0: and was, was it even an easy thing to do because people talk about you know sell the home to pay for care but uh, I, I don't know if you know, some people struggle to sell their, their properties at all don't they
3: we had to give it away in the end it was up for sale for six months and we were living on um, sort of IOUs, you know.
0: Yeah. Did you resent having to do that? Because, you know, people, you know, the Englishman's well, home I is his did, castle and all that.
3: Well, when we were in, in the first care home, there was a l- lovely lady who had come down from London. She'd been in council property up there, and her daughter lived in Weston. And the council moved her to this uh, care home you know, all fees paid and everything by mm. the local authorities. Right. And you think Jean's dad had worked all his life from 15.
0: I mean, some people say that uh, even the Do Not Plan envisages a partnership with the state paying some and families paying some, but that actually the state should pay it all. What do you think?
3: Well, I- I've always said along, it'd be nice if they did pay it all, but I would be... I would have been very, sort of, happy if a 50-50 partnership, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. What what do you think about the general attitude that we have towards the elderly?
3: It's sad, in a way. We have a lot of friends who are Greek and Greeks at Cypriots, and they have a totally different attitude towards family life. In what way? They're more together. We, we, We all seem separate, you know. Everybody sits down and talks and they look after the, the parents in a, you know, a closer-knit community.
0: John Hall on selling the family home to pay for care and a few thoughts besides. And joining me in the studio now to talk about Not and how we care for our elderly is Amelia Gentleman, social affairs writer for The Guardian, Dot Gibson, the General Secretary of the National Pensioners Convention and from Darmstadt University in Germany, Professor Martin Carlson. Doc Gibson, I want to start with you, because I, I have this vivid picture in my head of my own parents uh, leaving this country in 1987, and they lived here for 30 years, worked here, paid tax here, but they just had a sense that they didn't want to be old here. And though I knew I was going to miss them, I actually thought they were right, that this was a hard place to be old. Is that right? Is this a harsh place to be old?
5: It's a harsh place to be old once uh, aging the ageing process kicks in, yes, uh, because... Um, care and uh, hospitalisation are not necessarily
7: very good things for older people these days.
0: I mean, is that right? Um, Where where are we we getting this wrong?
7: Well, I think what's interesting about the Dilnut report is it starts by saying we shouldn't forget that it's completely amazing that we are living much longer in this country. And from that point of view, you know, we, we should be celebrating that. But it is just a question of how you manage to live the rest of your life and, and enjoy those extra years. Once you get unwell or once you get um, are too frail to look after yourself, that really is where the the problems begin. And in both areas, I suppose, in, in the areas of um, residential care in this country, they leave a lot to be um, desired. But the quality of the care that's given and also... Um, the increasing move towards domiciliary care and care visits at home.
0: Well, Professor Carlton is going to tell us uh, in a moment about how they uh, organise things uh, um, uh, abroad, but, Doc, let's talk a bit about Dilnot. Is this a good report, Doc?
5: Well, first of all, he was given a mandate not to discuss free care paid through general taxation, which is the same as the previous government gave their commissioners uh, the same mandate. So, therefore, we're leaving out what, well, as far as the National Pensions Convention is concerned, is the main thing, that there should be a national care service.
0: So it was flawed from the start? Yes, flawed that, from the start. Respect.
5: And if you've got £100,000 as your level um, under which you can get care, you know, your free care, I mean, if it takes in, as it does, your house, then if you own a house, it's got to be at least 100000 and therefore lots and lots of people who are already having to sell their houses will be in
7: the same boat.
0: Amelia, the Treasury doesn't seem to like it. Can we afford it? Uh,
7: well, at £1.7 billion, I I think the, the noises that have come out from the government are um, fairly polite, but there doesn't seem to be a rush to um, implement it. But I think what, what we have to recognise is that this uh, service will always be extremely expensive, and the sooner we, we begin to work out that this is money that we have to spend in some form or another, and just accept that it's expensive, the better.
0: Well, I talked earlier about uh, my parents and the feeling that we just didn't do this very well here. Let me uh, come now to uh, Professor Martin Carlson in, in, there in Germany. Do we do this particularly badly? And is there an in- international comparison to be made with other countries?
8: I mean, I think that um, the care that people actually receive, its they are not big differences between uh, countries in terms of uh, availability or quality of care or anything. I mean, there are differences, but uh, the most striking differences between countries is in how well people uh, can cover their risks uh, that are involved with in long-term care. And, and in, that, uh, in that respect, Britain is different from, from most continental European countries in that um, the risk is substantial, and uh, neither the government nor the private market are able to uh, help people insure against this risk. So I think that's the most important difference uh, compared to other countries.
0: is somewhere like Sweden, the care is free anyway, isn't it?
8: It's not free in Sweden. People pay um, fees uh, when they use uh, long-term care, uh, domiciliary as well as uh, institutional care. And uh, these are, in comparison to Britain, the out-of-pocket payments are small, but they are there, and they are there to, to keep demand uh, down to some extent. But it's, if you're talking about nursing home care, a typical Swedish user pays uh, maybe between 3 or 5% of the actual costs. So it's uh, much lower than in Britain, yes.
0: Those countries that uh, have better financial arrangements, why are they better? How are they able to organise their, their, their care more efficiently?
8: One, one main uh, difference is the amount of uh, money that the government is willing to spend uh, on on long term care and in, in Scandinavia, that amount is apparently higher than in Britain and in uh, continental Europe, most other countries as well, even if you don 't want to expand the long term care sector in Britain uh, to that level in other, of other countries uh, there 's still a lot you can do to increase people 's security and and their, uh, i mean their pos- possibilities to prepare for uh, long term care costs when they grow grow old. uh, And I think the Dilnot review is taking one big step in that direction to uh, uh, make it easy for people to uh, prepare for periods of of, uh, care need.
0: I know you've looked at this plan, and uh, over here uh, Danny Finkelstein is one of our uh, uh, leading comment writers, he writes for The Times. Um, takes the view that the Dilnot approach is basically uh, uh, an inheritance insurance plan because uh, only people who are relatively wealthy or people who are relatively wealthy will be the people who will do best out of it. And yeah,
8: that, I mean, I, I, I think this is uh, quite correct. I mean, I, I, as I said, I, I think uh, the Dillon Report is a step in the right direction, but uh, what is missing to me is a clear uh, statement of what, does, what are the purposes of the long-term care system, what is it there for, uh, what should the government do, and what are the principles underlying the uh, long-term care policies. And, and on that point, I don't see any useful uh, information in the did not report uh they talk about fairness all the time, but they don't spell out what they what do they uh, mean by fairness and uh, this is why they end up um, suggesting things that uh are uh, i mean yeah in these words of uh, Finkerstein ensuring uh people's in, uh, inheritances.
0: So so another element of it is that uh, they're not recommended pensioners should pay national insurance contributions. Uh, That's presumably not something you would be happy with.
5: Well, we pay national insurance contributions during our whole working lives. Are they now asking that you have another national insurance just for pensioners? Look, we've got a situation now where students have to pay for their education and and pensioners have to pay for their care. Are we talking about these two elements in society being left out of the rest of society we pay for education at a low level we pay for the police we pay for the army we pay for things to be cleaned in the streets and 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 all the rest of it why on earth should students on the one hand and pensioners on the other be left to pay for themselves
0: because the well the argument will come back won't it that uh they haven't got the money yeah but who's
5: we i mean to be honest what comes back usually is why should we pay for the bankers crisis and that's coming from everywhere, not only in this country, but around the world. And frankly, there is money. And I think one of the things we have to look at is the sort of history of this thing. I mean, we all, um, my, I was 10 at the end of the Second World War. So um, we saw the birth of the welfare state and the National Health Service. And we grew up with that. We now see it being attacked and undermined. And I think that, you know, when you got a Labour government in 1997 who set up the Sutherland Commission to look into long-term care and came out with a majority report saying that it should be free, and that Labour government divided it up into two, health care and personal care, and then left the uh, this, this whole area of social care out, it created a huge problem. Then they kept coming back. I've got the report here, 2008, care support independence meeting the needs of a changing society the case for change why england needs a new care and support system that was the name of this report we all took part in the uh, in the cons- you know consultation process we all wrote in we all there was stuff in the papers and all the rest of it and but they never actually did a balance sheet of what had happened up to then running down geriatric departments in the hospitals getting people out of hospitals very quickly so the councils were made to pay 125 pounds for each patient, older patient patient that was yeah, left yeah. in hospital. All of that.
0: So that ended up on the shelf, really. Um, do you is it is it your fear yeah. that this one will end up on the shelf too?
5: I don't know whether it'll end up on the shelf. I mean, the fact is that it it begs the question, and we can go on and on, and then there'll be another election, and then we'll have to start all over again, as we have each time.
0: I Emily. Mean, really, um Money is tight, of course, Um, and we heard from people at Great Croft earlier in the uh, programme. How important is non-critical care and day centres? Because, of course, they are under um, severe pressure as councils try and save some money. Um, If that sector is affected uh, disastrously, how serious will that be?
7: I think it would be tremendously serious. I mean, we're seeing all over the country at the moment councils looking at ways that they can cut back on um, their non-statutory responsibilities. And one area that's particularly vulnerable are things like uh, lunch clubs for the elderly and daycare drop-in centres. Um, and as staff at these centres will tell you, they provide an, a crucial safety net um, for users. Not, not only do they enhance a quality of life, but they're able to see when people aren't eating properly, when people are beginning to get unwell... And so they actually stop people going into hospitals. So as well as being a good thing because they're a nice thing, they mm-hmm. ultimately, um, they would argue, save uh, the government a lot of money. Um, the the other area where there's a, a, a lot of cost trimming going on in quite a worrying way at the moment is in the amount of time that carers um, get to spend with people when they go home right. and try to yeah. look after them at home. So councils can pay for people's care in hour-long chunks, or in half an hour-long chunks, or in 15-minute chunks, and um, care providers will tell you that they are seeing more and more 15-minute chunks of care being paid for by their council because clearly they're a lot cheaper. But for the the user, I mean, they're they're really um, a horrible way of getting care because somebody will rush in, we'll help you go to the loo, we'll try and give you a cup of tea, we'll try and give you your lunch, all in the space of 15 minutes. It, it's just not not doable, although, of course, it is cheaper.
0: Professor Carlton, let me um, just come back to you. Um, one of the problems we have here is, that, of course, that the services, the provision is so patchy. A lot of it depends on where you are in the country. Um, do other countries deal with that element of it any better? Is, it more, is, is there a more homogenous service?
8: Yes, I mean... Um The countries where um, long-term care is funded out of taxes typically have this problem. That's the same in Scandinavia. They also have postcode lotteries, so it's very arbitrary. Uh, On the other hand, there are countries like uh, Germany and Japan that have introduced uh, in the recent past, or I mean uh, in the 90s, introduced social insurance for long-term care. And uh, there they need to, I mean, for the social insurance scheme to work, they need to pin down national eligibility criteria in terms of uh, the care need. So uh, there they have uniform criteria that, at least in theory, applies equally to everybody, uh, irrespective of uh, where you live. Let's
0: broaden this just a bit. Um, Do we just need to change our general attitudes towards the elderly? Because I suppose that underpins all of this. You can make an argument that if we cared enough, we would do something about this.
5: Well... I mean, the sort of caring that goes on and the sort of voluntary work that goes on um, among the over-50s in particular and pensioners is huge in this country. It uh, saves the uh, exchequer In the region of about eighty-seven billion a year, it's never included in the GDP. So, I mean, there there is a care, there are caring people around. I mean,
0: is that in terms of volunteering? Volunteering
5: uh, and doing all that, and you know, well, and you know, and looking after the uh, relations, relatives will go and help down at day centres and things like this. and And I don't think this is the point. I think the point is. That in the 1980s, um, the local government departments that dealt with social care were closed down on the basis of best value. What did best value mean? It meant that you had cut prices, which meant that the people delivering the services had lower pay and conditions. And some people were making a lot of profit and are still making a lot of profit out of frail, elderly and disabled people. Mm. You also have a situation where younger people are having to go out to work to pay for their homes, To take a uh, for a woman to take time off work and lose on her national insurance stamps means that she gets a lower pension. The whole thing is a, kicks in along yeah, the line, yeah. you know.
0: But I'm interested, Millie, because there was a piece, I think in the Daily Mail this week, I, uh, the former Home Secretary David Blunkett, and he was very strongly making the point that... Uh, whatever it is that we expect the state to do, families must see the care of their old folk as being their number one priority, that it's not something that they can transfer responsibility to uh, the state. The state might do it for them, but that they really have to keep in mind that their old folk are their responsibility. Is he right? Do do we need more of that?
7: I think uh, sometimes you see things really clearly when you um, look at them through the eyes of, of someone else. And I had an experience recently where I was visiting a care home and I was talking to an Iraqi student nurse who'd recently arrived in this country and he was absolutely horrified by um, what he saw. So instead of coming from a war zone and and being impressed at the facilities, Mm -hmm. he he just couldn't understand how it was that in Britain we um, often leave our relatives in residential care. He was was distressed by the very rare visits from um, family and disturbed by the number of people in the care home who were on um, antidepressants. I mean, he, he was just really shocked by the system. And I, I suppose, yes, yeah, some, sometimes you do need to take a step back and, and wonder if, if we're doing it right.
0: Professor Carlson, is that something that is done better in other countries? Is it attitudinal? Do people have a different attitude?
8: Well, I mean, I, I lived in Britain myself and I... Uh I uh, got the impression that um, the attitudes towards uh, older people are um, relatively, or the connotations are quite positive compared to other countries. But I, I have no expertise on, on this. Um, but it appears that uh, the willingness to spend, I mean, government money on on older people is is uh, lower than in in other countries. I mean. If you, uh, I mean, if we turn back to the examples I mentioned before, like uh, Japan, where they have introduced a a social long-term care insurance scheme, um, they have a demographic outlook that is much, much, much worse than that of uh, Britain. Uh, And they were uh, willing to uh, apparently take that step and and introduce a uniform system uh, that covers everybody.
5: You know, this question of dignity and security in old age, it's like every other generation. You actually get these things when you stand up and uh, and fight for these things. That's That history tells you that. So in the National Pensioners' Convention, we ask people, older people and their relatives, to join with us in that struggle. And I think that's the only way you can do it.
0: Millie, really, um, last word for you. Where do you think we'll be a year from now? We've, we've had this report. Um, is there a step change here or do, do you think that this will... Just being a a year from now, we'll be saying, well, that was interesting, but nothing much changed.
7: Well, it it feels like quite recently that we had the um, Labour government proposals, which have been kicked into uh, the long grass. And certainly a lot of the charities are concerned that this is um, going to be postponed and nothing will be done, certainly before next Easter. But I I, I think what would be um, interesting to see is is whether or not there'd be um, any public anger or unease about this because we talked about the student protests nobody is yet really angry about this we haven't had um, marching in the streets on this issue and in a way that is surprising because it's something that everybody's going to be affected by and you know these these worries haven't quite um gelled into into public action
0: okay well uh, we will see if it will percolate through to uh, and if we'll have more um, demonstrations on the streets but thank you very much all for that Um, The jury's still out on Dilnott. The government says the report will form the basis of its new approach, but that's a long way from endorsing it wholesale. As to society's attitude towards older people, well, that's something for government to address, but it certainly can't happen overnight. My thanks to Amelia Gentleman, Dot Gibson and Martin Carlson. I'm Hugh Muir. The producer of this guardian Focus podcast was Peter Sale. Thank you for listening and goodbye.